Good morning. Good morning. Amen. Thank you, Pastor George, for the welcome and the whole congregation here. It's such a joy uh, to be with you this morning. I grew up in a small village in Kenya. I'm one of 23 kids. Yes, if we had grown up here, we'll have a TV show. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I didn't grow up here. Um, I grew up in, a, in this area. It's a small uh, community that for a long time didn't show up on Google Maps. Um, but most recently, I realized that it actually shows up on Google Maps. Because uh, you know what? Um, yesterday, I was, uh, I was watching uh, the marathon. There's a gentleman. Uh, his name is uh, Eliud Kipchoge. And Eliud comes about 43 miles away from my village. Now, he's the only man in all of history to run a marathon in under two hours. He did it yesterday. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, But, um, so I checked on Google Maps and I realized that it actually shows up now. uh, Because we have some of these famous runners that come from close by that area. Now, I am not a marathon runner, just so you know. Uh, But all this world... Changing all these wild beaters, they all come from that close by area. I don't know what I didn't bring to the Lord. He didn't give me that gifting. But he called me to preach the gospel, and I'm so grateful to God for that. Amen? Now, in, um, in, in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all Nations, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And then he goes on in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses starting from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Here is the reality You know, when God wanted to do something powerful, he gathered nations in Jerusalem. When God was about to begin a movement that would transform the world, he gathered nations in Jerusalem. He had told the disciples, pray and wait in the upper room and I'll send you the Holy Spirit and then you will go and be my disciples among the nations But then as they are gathered and waiting, God sends out nations to gather in Jerusalem. In fact, we find that in Jerusalem, on that day of Pentecost in Acts 2 from verse 5 through 13, especially verse 9, it talks about, you know, we are told that we had Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judeans, Cappadocians, Pontusians, Asians, Phrygians, Pamphylians, Egyptians, Libyans, Cyrenians, Romans, proselytes, Cretans, Arabs. We could go on and on, can't we? But they were all gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And in this moment of gathering of these nations, God pours out his mighty spirit. Gives the disciples an easy ramp to get to his great commission. He brings the nations 
stars their hearts because they're hungry, they're desirous of God, and then he gives the disciples that unique, easy moment to engage these nations. And as they hear the disciples in, in the upper room and praying, they suddenly begin to hear the good news of Jesus being shared in their own language. And they can say, we hear them in our own languages, in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. When you go up to the book of Revelation 7-9, we are told that at the ultimate, at the end of this story, there is gathered before the throne room of God, peoples from every tongue, from every nation, from every language. And they all bow down and worship God and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain for us. So there is this story, this desire, this passion, this line that weaves through the story of God in his desire for the salvation of the nations. And it goes forth on the day of Pentecost with a new power and new breath that is of the Holy Spirit as the church of Jesus is born today in the Twin Cities. God is doing something new. 20 years ago, after I left my village and came to Minnesota, and I don't know why God would bring me to Minnesota, it was nice and warm where I grew up. <laughs> Granted, it's high altitude, that's how we win the marathons. But it was, it's always 50, uh, 50 is the lowest, always 70 degrees every day. But God began to stir up my heart and he said, I'm going to send you to Minnesota. And on a January night, <laughs> it was a January night, I landed in Minneapolis. I wanted to get back on the airplane and go back to Nairobi. But by the grace of God, I stayed. But over the last 20 years, 15 years, God has been gathering the nations in the Twin Cities. Who do we have here? We have the Latino, we have the Hmong, we have the Somali, the Ethiopian, and I have a screenshot there, you know, uh, the next screen there. We have these nations that God has gathered here from all over the world, you know. We have Somalis, Ethiopians, Russians, Asians, Liberians, Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Cambodian, Kenyan, Nigerian, Ukrainian. On and on and on. Over a hundred different nations. Sounds like the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, doesn't it? And what does God do on that day of Pentecost? We are told that they hear the good news of the kingdom of God being proclaimed in their own tongue that they understand. And there is this outpouring of his Holy Spirit and 3,000 come into faith on that day of Pentecost. When you see a gathering of nations, it is a recipe for revival. When you see a gathering of nations in one place, it is a recipe for revival. 
I believe God has set up the Twin Cities now for a moment of revival. God is bringing the nations here for a moment of revival. A few weeks ago, actually two Sundays ago, I had been, I was preaching at a church in, uh, in South Minneapolis and after the service, I decided just to go sit at the Somali mall. And I was sitting there, it was during lunch hour, and I noticed this horde of men going upstairs and, you know, they were gonna go pray in a mosque upstairs. And as I looked, you know, through the shopping stalls within the mall, I saw this Arab gentleman and he's sitting there in deep desire and prayer, seeking what I believe is an encounter with God. It was the Muslim hour of prayer. And you could look at it and go, oh, how awful is this? But on the other hand, I see people that are desirous to encounter God. Just like these people that had come into Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. They were desirous to encounter God and God does something radical on that day to bring them into the kingdom of God. He pours out his mighty spirit. And when I look at these nations that are here, whether Latinos or, 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 or Somalis or Ethiopians, I see God having a divine agenda, a divine purpose that he wants us as the church to ready ourselves for. And so today, he is looking to us as his church, as the people of his kingdom, to engage these nations with the good news of Jesus Christ. We have one million first and second generation in the Twin Cities. And I have that as next slide there. We have one million first and second generation from around the world, from over a hundred different nations. In fact, in one small part in South Minneapolis, there are 250 languages that are spoken within one block. Right here. 250 languages spoken. But here is the reality. 90% of the global communities that are here do not know Jesus. Do not know Jesus. One in every three of the Twin Cities is a first or second generation, but 90% do not know Jesus Christ. In the next 15 years, one in every two will be somebody that was born, you know, outside of Minneapolis or born to a first generation immigrant. But again, if nothing happens, all things remaining the same, Christians being content in our pews, guess what will happen? 90% will still remain unchurched. But here is the good news. God is pouring out his mighty spirit. In fact, Jesus challenges the disciples in John 4.35. As he is coming into Samaria, as they are passing through Samaria, and the disciples are concerned that Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. Rather than sticking with them, the Jews. Because they're the ones who know the truth. 
But Jesus goes, colors outside the line and he goes to engage the Samaritan woman. And not only was she a Samaritan woman, she was the lowliest of the Samaritan, having been married five times and now, you know, living with a man that was not her husband. And Jesus is engaging with her and they are shocked. And they are almost, you know, wondering, should we, should we not bring this up? How can we rebuke him that we consider to be Messiah? Why would he be talking to this woman that, you know, not only is she a woman, but she's a Samaritan. And Jesus can see the turmoil in their hearts and in their minds. The turmoil, the the debating that is going on in their minds and they're wondering to themselves, should we or should we not? Jesus, don't you know? Huh? I'm Minnesotan, don't you know? (laughs) Jesus, don't you know that she is Samaritan? And in fact, she's been married and divorced and, or maybe I don't know, we we are not told what, what the circumstance was, but whatever it was, it was so devastating that she didn't hang out with other women. She came to the well all the hours. But what does Jesus tell them? He says, don't you have a saying? It is still four months until harvest. I tell you. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe for harvest. Yes, many of us like the disciples, we may be wrestling with many things. I've I've been speaking in churches all around and, and so I get feedback. You know, sometimes people go, but you know, we have all these immigrants here and you know, there is the politics and everything else, but, but Jesus, you know, I mean, what should we, how should we, and, and all those, you know, Jesus looks at you and says, don't you know, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Amen. Let, let the politicians deal with the political things. But as far as the kingdom is concerned, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes. You see, God is giving us as the church an easy on-ramp. If you have wondered, you know, how could I, you know, Lord, Lord, I don't want to go to that deep village in Africa. It is so scary. Please, you can send me anywhere, but don't send me to Africa. Some of you pray that. (laughs) For me, it was a true story. I, I mean, I told God, God, send me anywhere else, even Canada, but don't send me to America. He said, I'll send you close to Canada. Maybe you've been praying, don't send me to Somalia. Lord, you know, there are Muslims there. They, 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 are, they are violent over there. And God says, well, I won't send you to Somalia. I'll send Somalia to you. And now we have Somalia, little Mogadishu, in the Twin Cities. Lift up your eyes. Open your eyes. See the fields are ripe. For harvest. See, Jesus is calling us to understand the times and to anticipate a great harvest. 
to be aware, to be open to what he's doing in this hour and in this moment. Open your eyes at his command. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Just this last July, we had an opportunity to pray with the Hmong community. We have over, we have over 100,000 Hmong in the Twin Cities. And 95% of the Hmong community, they are in animism. Uh, that means the worship of ancestral spirits and, um, you know, different things honoring the ancestors and uh, the shamans are the middlemen. And they worship God through the shamans. Now it's, uh, you know, mediums and all those kinds of things, witch doctors and uh, that is kind of the, the, the lifestyle. Now you think, oh yeah, they're in America, they should probably have changed now. They've been in America for 30 years. Uh, but the reality is that that majority of that community continues to worship the ancestral spirits. Now, this July, during the annual Hmong uh, International uh, Freedom Festival, they invited me to come pray for the community. And there's usually a large festival at Como Park, and 40,000, 50,000 people are there uh, at this festival, community festival. Um, and so they invited us to come pray in as much Twin Cities to pray for the community, uh, partly because uh, last year there had been a shooting, and maybe you saw it on the news, uh, and so this year they were a little concerned, and they said, why don't we have a Christian pastor come pray? Uh, so they invited me to come pray, and we asked, could we also have a prayer tent uh, during this festival? Uh, and sure enough, they said, sure, come have a prayer tent. And as we were having this prayer tent in this setup, uh, we had over, uh, we gave out over 6,000, you know, uh, gospel tracts. And we had over 600 people that walked through the prayer tent seeking to be prayed for. The nations are ripe for harvest. Not only did they come in to be prayed for, uh, but we had over a hundred people that actually prayed to receive Jesus as Savior in their lives. Without, yes, yes. And I have a picture, I think, of a couple slides down. I have a picture, um, if, if you can just go, yes, right there. And as we were praying with them, you know, they will take off their shaman issue, their, their shaman issued, you know, bracelets and uh, charms and leave them there. That is evidence of God's work and power right here in the Twin Cities. You can see in there we have, you know, even a Buddhist little thing there with, with the picture of the family. For somebody to take that off and leave it there with a picture of their family, that's huge. But that is what God is doing right here. You know, as, I, as you can see on the next slide there, you know, that, that, that mother there, kind of deep prayer because she's been touched by the power of God as we were there praying with this community. And she's giving her heart to Christ, moved by the Spirit of God as she embraces this reality of the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that is what he's doing in the Twin Cities. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, this is what we are praying. We are praying, in fact, that in this coming year, we see the gathering of the nations of the Twin Cities celebrating the gospel of Jesus right at Allianz Field. And I have a, have a picture of Allianz there. You know, we are praying that we see the nations gather in this space for the celebration of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the summer of 2020. We are waiting for the soccer schedule to come out before we have the actual day. But I want to invite you to be praying that we see a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit that moves and touches the nations that are here in the Twin Cities. And that as the gospel of the kingdom of God is proclaimed, thousands may come to experience God. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 came to Christ, came to believe in who Jesus is. What if we saw 10,000 come to Jesus? You see, just this May, I was, I was in the country of Rwanda, preaching the gospel there. And in a space of a week, we saw over 19,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. Why not in the Twin Cities? In January last year, I was, I was in India. Preaching the gospel, and, and India is, you know, it's, it's an anim, it's, it's, a, it's a, there's idolatry in all the places. But as we were preaching the gospel, we had these people coming and pouring in. We couldn't even advertise because of the restrictions. But yet we had over 60,000 people gather. And as the gospel was going forward, in this community that was, you know, in the audience that was over 80% non-Christian, I saw over 20,000 people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hindus. But we have 55,000 Indians in the Twin Cities. What if they heard the same gospel that is changing their friends in India, touch their lives right here in the Twin Cities? That is our prayer. That is our desire. Three months ago, we were meeting with uh, Chris Wright, who is the CEO of Minnesota United. And as I was, you know, trying to secure the stadium, and we met with him, and uh, and I was sharing the vision. Then at the end of it, I asked him, I said, Chris, um, and, you know, and I've known Chris for a while. So I asked him, Chris, you know, what is your prayer? How can we pray for you? And with a tear in his eye, he said, you know what? When we were building this stadium two years ago, my prayer in my heart was that it will become a cathedral for the salvation of the nations. It will become a cathedral for the salvation of the nations. Right there, it's God. And it's right in the center of the nations, right next to the University of Minnesota, you know, so many nations surrounding there. What if we saw the gathering of the nations there 
in the summer of 2020. And as the good news of Jesus goes out, these nations respond to the invitation for Jesus. I want to invite you to pray for us and to pray that God may use you. Because we're not talking of nations just in South Minneapolis. We are talking of nations in Wayzata. Right? We are talking of nations in Minnetonka. We are talking of nations in Waconia. We are talking of nations in Plymouth. All over the place. Our neighbors, our friends, our kids go to the schools and they have friends from all over the world. And you know, with us, many of us from the nations, our tentacles don't just stay here. They are connected everywhere. When I go to my village, guess what? The whole village comes out. So what if, you know, what if I didn't know Jesus? You know, they wouldn't. But now because I know Jesus, when I go to the village, and the village shows up, I get to tell them about Christ. And you would have fulfilled your mission. What if all those nations that are here, when they went back to visit their villages, they heard about Christ? Won't the Great Commission be fulfilled so quickly? I want to challenge you with a few practical steps. One, I want you to look up to God by prayer. You know, or rather look around you and open your eyes. Just like Jesus said, open your eyes. Look around you. Notice what is happening and position your heart for what God wants to do. Secondly, I want you to look up in prayer. Because prayer opens hearts, prayer opens minds. And Jesus challenged us and said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Pray, ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. As we are in the middle of this initiative, we are asking churches that we pray and we position ourselves to be laborers that God can use. Then look out for opportunities to serve. Opportunities to serve. We'll be engaging more, you know, with uh, your church here in the coming months. Pastor George will keep you abreast over time. But be praying that, you know, you are available in the middle of your busyness. Then look forward to tell the good news of the kingdom of God. Look forward to sharing the love of Jesus. Many of the immigrant communities, when I engage with them, they they are looking forward for a Christian to talk with them about God. But I know here in America, we're conditioned many times not to talk about politics, not to talk about religion. I'm not asking you to talk about religion. I'm asking you to talk about Jesus, right? Are we clear? Let's talk about Jesus, not religion. That's not what we're about. So you're safe. Talk about Jesus. And then let's pray that God gives us opportunity to disciple, to make disciples. When we go into the next hour here, we'll have some cards that, you know, we're calling, um, you know, pray for five. And I want to encourage you before you exit to actually pass through that space. And if you can't stay, you know, pick one of these and keep it with you. Think of five people that you can be praying for. They could be co-workers, colleagues, 
And, and we're not just talking about the nations. Think about your immediate neighbors that may not have a saving relationship with Jesus. And invite them with you. But pray for them first. So that God prepares them and God creates an opportune moment for you. So come on over to the next hour and we'll actually begin to pray together. Hallelujah. In Acts, I mean in Habakkuk 1.5, it tells us this. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed from going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if you were told. Habakkuk 3.2 says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. What if that was our prayer this morning for our city? That we see a repeat of God's grace. We see a repeat of God's power. We see a repeat of the salvation of the nations right here in the Twin Cities, just like it was on the day of Pentecost. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning because you're in the business of saving nations, saving souls. We recognize that you have positioned us in a unique mission field. There are nations here from all around the world. How we pray, O oh Lord, that you open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear. Grant us open hands that we may be a blessing to the nations that are here, Lord. I thank you for your people. Holy Spirit, stir up our hearts in a unique way. To respond to your call for mission. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.